Good morning again, and welcome to the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center on behalf of Apostle Teresa Harvard Johnson and uh, the entire ministry. We, we welcome you today and we thank you for joining us. Um, as we get started, uh, you all have, have seen this on all of our um, presentations. This is just something we do at the forefront just to put that out there and remind you of uh, the copyright and the disclaimer um, concerning what we are not. Um, so just, just wanted to let you see that. Uh, uh, just a reminder, this slide is a reminder. We want to um, remember what our overview is who we are as conservators and the principles that, um, that we hold dear and that we protect. Transforming nations, reinforcing covenant, elevating Christ above men and increasing understanding. And at the end of the day, just knowing and living from the place that our roots grow deep in him who is Christ Jesus. So uh, we talked earlier about giving. This information is here just again, and it will be posted throughout the service. Um, so, all right, just to recap, um, as we were discussing before uh, we jumped in here, Apostle Teresa gave us a, a recap of sorts just to, to help us understand why we are teaching in this lane, why we are moving in this particular direction. And um, I think it was so fitting concerning, um, you know, the recap that I had prepared here. So for what Apostle Teresa taught on last Sunday, these are some of the, the highlights from the entire message. And that's something I want to um, encourage everyone here, whether you were present, uh, whether you've listened to the replays already, I'm encouraging all of us to listen again. There's always something more that we can take away from what we have been learning. So look at the replays, go to the Scribal Conservatory uh, YouTube page. They are there. There's also a tab on the uh, website that has the replays as well. So from last Sunday, um, these are the highlights that I took away, had plenty of notes, but Apostle Teresa talked about how the prophetic is the work of Holy Spirit in the earth. It is the tangible and intangible presence of God in all of its releases without limitation. Um, she spoke to how, you know, we, we try to make make the prophetic what we want it to be. We try to make it our own, but it is truly about God and his eternal intent. Um, the prophetic is God's presence, but it's not about establishing an atmosphere to perform, to see performances or experience great gifts and calls in action. And it, it isn't even prophecy, which a lot of people have made it that. Um, I know that's how I was kind of introduced to the term, the prophetic. I knew, you know, of course, common sense tells us what prophecy is, but um, people were making prophecy synonymous with the prophetic, but the but prophecy is part of the prophetic. And that has been um, over time with what is being taught has truly been um, coming into clarity and, and, and um, bringing us into a better understanding. And uh, she also talked about how the prophetic is an extraordinary, I loved, loved, loved this, an extraordinary pronouncement and visitation from God through the new contract, the new agreement um, with Christ to accomplish his will and eternal intention through humanity. So that's just to remind us, it's not about us. 
The prophetic is not about us in the sense of us being the one to take credit, us being the one to come up with the intent, you know, us being the one um, with the will that needs to be accomplished. It is really about what God wants to be accomplished. It's about him and his intent. And um, the two cornerstones of the prophetic, this was profound. And uh, please, I'm, 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 I'm asking you to really take note of this and understand this thoroughly, that the two cornerstones of the prophetic are these two things. Say what the Father says, as Jesus did, because he is our chief example, and do what the Father does, as Jesus did again, who was our chief example. So these are just some highlights from um, what Apostle Teresa taught uh, on last Sunday. And um, I'm going to give you a real quick recap of uh, what Minister Sam pulled from that teaching on last Sunday and taught us on Tuesday. And it was amazing. I mean, the way she was able to take the take old agreement and new agreement, old covenant, new covenant, and do the, the contrast and comparison to see what the differences, the differences are when it comes to Holy Spirit, who again, let's go back, who is the, uh, um, the prophetic is the work of Holy Spirit in the earth. So she showed us how the Old Testament saints or the Old Testament believers they desperately wanted, they desperately desired Holy Spirit. They desperately desired a habitation. Um, we know that in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit rested upon them, came upon them, visited them, but they desired the habitation. And we as new uh, agreement believers, as new agreement saints, we have habitation. We possess the promise. We have what it is they wanted. And, but unfortunately, in a lot of cases, we act like we don't. We act like we don't have what the Old Testament saints so desperately desire. And Minister Sam went on to um, relate that to the law and talking about how the law had a particular level of glory uh, and purpose. It served its purpose, but it was not the ultimate, the full, the um, God's full intent for humanity. And it was eclipsed. Who was Christ? He is God's intent. He is, um, you know, our chief example. And so she talked about how Christ is the, he is the greater. He is in it and deserves the greater glory. He eclipsed Moses. He eclipsed everything that happened before him. He brought completion to what was started in the law. So we can release ourselves from the old as it pertains to the prophetic and understand that there is a new understanding. Even as Apostle Teresa talked about, there's a new language. There's a new understanding that is intact because of Christ having come to not do away with the law, but fulfill it, to complete it, to bring it to its uh, uh, fullness. So she did a great job of, of um, Minister Sam did a great job of uh, helping us remember that and understand that. And so today we are continuing in that same vein and we are still talking about what is the prophetic for real. And so 
I'm going to share some things with you that really have been resonating from this entire direction we're moving in. And um, not only is, is it insights that I've grabbed, but it's also a reinforcement, a reiteration of one of the principles that the Scrabble Conservatory Arts and Worship Center protects as conservators. And that is the fact and the truth that Christ, that we need to be elevating Christ above men. That's what this is all about. If we can get an understanding of that and not just from a logical, not just from a natural perspective, but if we can get an understanding of that in our spirit, in our heart, in our mind, we really will see um, a greater dimension, a greater demonstration of what God's eternal intention is. So again, today we're talking about Christ above men. So this is a picture, and you all have probably seen this before. This is a picture of what the prophetic has been made to look like nowadays and for a long time now. It, is, it has not been uh, about directing people to Christ. It has not been about um, what God's intention is. It has not been about God's heart, about his will. It has been about elevating man over Christ, making man the center of attention, center stage, making us the ones, you know, who, who, who draws the worship and draws the accolades and draws all of this stuff that belongs to God. And um, God is intending to shift that perspective, that desire. He, he wants to dismantle it and replace it with what his real heart is. So um, we are going to get into a lot of scriptures today. And the first one I want to start with is 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and read that. Um, and I will go ahead and start. But understand this. In the last days, in the last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affections, callous and inhumane, relentless, admitting of no truths or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. Lord have mercy. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety or true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people and turn away from them. Now, this particular um scripture set of set of verses they are so so rich um and they contain a lot but what i want to pull out here is this paul i'm sorry uh timothy starts with but understand this in the last days will come perilous times of great stress then he moves on to for people will be lovers of self 
there was no there was no um insinuation that these perilous times were going to be a result of weather or a, a result of sickness and disease or a result of other things that you know are going on in our time he went on to say and he said for people will be lovers of self there was a connection between the perilous times and man doing what he wants to do moving in his own direction um, pursuing his own desires and and pleasures and all of this kind of stuff this is the root of the perilous times that we are encountering and have encountered. This is the reason. And this is because of this, we see that there's a pattern here of elevating man over Christ. And this is why we are having the trouble we're having in the world and specifically for today for the prophetic. Man has made it what they want it to be. We have we have contorted it, we have twisted it, we have tainted it, and we have we have erected something that God has nothing absolutely nothing to do with. So I wanted to put this out here as we move through so you can really understand and get a picture of why it is so important that we understand what the true the, the prophetic is for real. I want to give an example of what this looks like. We've all seen it. We've all, whether we did it or we observed it in other people, um, we've seen where God has used us or used somebody else to give a prophetic word or just share his intent, his heart with them. And the result, we, we, we elevated or we emphasized our part to play in it. Oh, God used me. He used me to, 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 to pray the roof down and to pray in them blessings for such and such and so-and-so or concerning that situation. Or God used so-and-so mightily to, to do this and do that. Now, while there is acknowledgement of what the outcome was in terms of God's intent, the emphasis has typically been on how God used the person, right? There's this, this emphasis on um, what we have done, what we perceive that we have done in the midst of the equation, but we don't, we don't emphasize as much the outcome. So we need to really look closely at that piece of the equation. Why are we emphasizing us and belittling what the outcome is, what God's intent is. How dare we move into God's space? How dare we try to take his glory? How dare we move in that way and discredit who God is, what he's doing, and try to take the credit for it? So we've seen that before, and I'll give you a, a scriptural example of it. When we go to um, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read all of this, but you this is familiar to everybody where it talks about the 70 return with joy because the 70 were sent out. We understand to spread the the the, the gospel and, and, and share the good news. And they came back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, look at the pattern. There is credit given to Jesus in terms of we did this in your name, but look at what we did. 
Lord, they're subject to us. They are, they trembling and, and they're leaving and all of that because of us. And I don't want to emphasize the demons and all that. My emphasis here is the fact that these 70 returned and their mind, their hearts were set on looking at and just enamored with how they were used in the equation. They wanted the glory, whether they were aware of it or not. They, the, how they communicated this statement revealed their heart. So as they said that, after they said that, this is what Jesus says to them. I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. My God. He did not address what they said. He did not address, oh, yeah, y'all did an amazing job. I know that's right. And yeah, 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 woo, 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 cheerleading and all of this kind of stuff and co-signing. He didn't do all of that. The first thing Jesus said was, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Now, in my understanding, what this indicates is that it, it, it indicates where their heart was in terms of what they were saying. Had the it had their heart been right concerning what they were saying, Jesus would not have had to address it in this way. He would have he would have uh, been joyful right along with them, but he had to address the heart. He had to address the desire to be elevated above what God's intent was in this particular situation. Okay, he goes on to say, listen carefully. I have given you the authority that you now possess. I have given it to you. You didn't get this on your own. I've given this to you to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all power of the enemy and nothing will in any way harm you. Nevertheless, listen how the Lord addresses, addresses this. Do not rejoice at this that the demons are subject to you, but that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. What does that mean? Rejoice in the fact that your names are recorded in heaven. That last part of Jesus's statement is an indication of what's more important. What's more important is that you are in the family of God that you carry Holy Spirit, that you have been chosen, right, to, uh, to help in the demonstration and in the moving forward of God's agenda. And, and, it, and it's really talking about eternal purpose. Jesus didn't say this to elevate them because their name is recorded in a, in a shallow, topical manner. No, Jesus had a greater um, meaning behind this. It was, he was talking about eternal intention here. We are not talking about what you did and what you cast out and all of these great feats you've done. What's more important is that God's intent has gone forth. Focus on that, rejoice on that. He goes on to say, in that, in that very hour, he was overjoyed and rejoiced greatly in Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things relating to salvation from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants, the childlike and the untaught. Now, people would take that as some type of slight, snide remark, 
um, like Jesus was trying to belittle them. Jesus, that has never been his heart. And he wasn't coming from that perspective. He was trying to help them understand that when we, when we transition out of our desire, out of the way we think it needs to be and how we're understanding a, a thing from our perspective and from a human um, perspective, and we, we we're going when we operate from there, we're veiled in terms of what God really wants. But when we transition out of that place into God's intent, um, it, it happens because we are not resting in human logic. We are not holding fast to our own stuff. We are not elevating anything else over Christ. And He's rejoicing. He, he's He's overjoyed because that. He wanted to demonstrate to them and help them understand this is where the real joy comes in. This is where the real joy comes in when we agree with God's intent. So he goes on to say, yes, Father, this was the gracious will um, and choice and was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been transferred and turned over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the son wishes to reveal himself. If we move out of elevating ourselves over him, that's when we are able to move into an initial knowing of who he is and then into greater dimensions of knowing who he is. So all of that to say, it is okay to be happy about what God is doing, about his intent um, or about how he's using you. But it is never okay to elevate yourself in, in God's equation of his will being done. Elevating us and what we do and how God uses us is not the prophetic. It is not the prophetic. So I just wanted to lay that down um, before we moved into this other piece. I pray you understand uh, where I was coming from with that. So here we have two foundational scriptures for today. Um, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Um, and uh, the other one is going to be Revelations uh, chapter 19, verse 10. So please take your word out. Um, oh, goodness, I'm having te technical difficulties, but we're going to keep pressing. So um, I want to, I told you all, we have we have several scriptures today, and I really want to go through this because it's something very serious and 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 um very important that we take out of this particular teaching today. So it reads like this. He therefore holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling thoughtfully and attentively consider the the apostle and high priest whom we confessed as ours when we accepted him as savior namely Jesus. He was faithful to him who appointed him apostle and high priest as Moses also was faithful in God's house. Yet Jesus has been considered worthy of much greater glory and honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has, has more honor than the house for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in the administration of God's house, but only as a ministering servant his ministry serving as a testimony of the things which were to be spoken afterwards, the revelation to come in Christ, but Christ is faithful as a son over his father's house. And we are his house if we hold fast our confidence and sense of triumph and our hope in Christ. That's our first scripture. 
The second one is Revelation 19 and 10. Then I fell prostrate at his feet to worship, to pay divine honors to him. But he restrained me and said, refrain. You must not do that. I, I am only another servant with you and your brethren who have accepted and hold the testimony born of Jesus. Worship God for the substance, essence of the truth revealed by Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy, the vital breath, the inspiration of all inspired preaching and interpretation of the divine will and purpose, including both mine and yours. Those are our foundational scriptures. So as you know, I love to do, we're going to break this down. And I, I, I'm, I'm praying this, this, I might have to do a part two, but we're going to break this all the way down. Now, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in, this is important to take note of because off the bat, Paul comes in and sets the record straight that we share in the heavenly call. We aren't the heavenly call. So Paul steps in right, at, right off from the beginning to let us know it's not about us. It is not about us. We share in the heavenly calling, but we aren't the heavenly calling. If you remember Philippians 3 and 14, it says, I press towards the mic, the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, the high calling is Jesus Christ. The high calling is Jesus, okay? And so we share in that heavenly calling. We aren't Jesus but we share in that heavenly calling. And Paul goes on to say, I need you to thoughtfully and attentively consider who he is. This is so good, y'all. I mean, the word is just, it's just amazing to me. He asked them to, his appeal was attentively and thoughtfully consider who Jesus is, who our heavenly calling is. And when you look at the word for consider in the, in the Greek, it doesn't just mean to haphazardly think about something, to just let a thought come in and to let it pass through your mind without grabbing it, clutching hold of it and examining it. That's the consideration that Paul is talking about here. To consider in the Greek is to understand. It is to fix one's eyes and ears and mind on something. So Paul is appealing to them. I need you to set your mind on, on who Jesus is. I need you to set your heart on who Jesus is. I need you to set your ears and your eyes on who Jesus is. So he goes on to say, Jesus is the apostle and high priest. He didn't say Jesus is a, uh, an apostle and high priest, he said, he emphasizes that Jesus is the apostle and high priest whom we confessed as ours when we accepted him as Lord and Savior, namely Jesus. That's who we're talking about. Set your mind on him. He goes on to talk about how Jesus was faithful to God who appointed him as apostle and high priest. Come on, Jesus is our example. So Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him as apostle and high priest. Listen to how Paul does this, co this comparison, this comparing and contrasting. He says, Jesus was faithful as Moses was also. So they are equal in terms of this particular comparison. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. And Moses was faithful in God's house. But listen to this, yet 
is the same as but, meaning everything I said before this is good. However, this part is what I need you to understand. Jesus has been considered worthy of much greater glory and honor than Moses. In other words, while Jesus was equal to Moses in terms of uh, being faithful, being faithful to the one who appointed him as we all should be, Jesus eclipsed Moses. He was far greater than Moses. He outshone Moses because he deserved greater measure, greater glory, greater honor. Why is this? Why does Jesus um, garner all of that? And, 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 And why is he worthy of all of that? It goes on to talk about just as the builder of a house has more honor than the house. Come on. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. God. Jesus is the essence of God. He is God. He is God's intent. Okay. So that is the reason he eclipses Moses. He was faithful in terms of his flesh, being in the flesh and being faithful to the father, but he eclipsed Moses in terms of exceeding that because he was God and he being God also, he is the builder of the house. Moses was part of the house, but Jesus is the builder of the house. Okay, keep, keep, let's keep going. Now, Moses was faithful in the administration of God's house, but only as a ministering servant. Do you see the word was? Do you see that? Moses was faithful in all of God's house, but only as a ministering servant, his ministry serving as a testimony, not as the testimony, but as a testimony of the things which were to be spoken afterwards, which is the revelation of Christ, the heart, the mind, everything all encompassing who God is. Um, uh, Moses's ministry was a testament of that, not the, but a, but Christ is faithful. Is Look at this. Christ is. That means He eclipses was, he eclipses the past. He eclipses what what was established before. And he, 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 uh, he's elevated above that. He transcends all of that. And it also means that ever existing Christ is never to cease, always going, always in existence. Christ is faithful as a son over the father's house over the father's house, not equal to Moses who was faithful in the father's house. I hope y'all can understand that. And because of Christ, we can, the Bible goes on to say, and we are his house because he is, we are. Because he is, we are. Again, foot stomping the sentiment and the understanding that it is not about us. So why do we keep finding ourselves in a place of elevating ourselves, elevating mankind over God, over his intent, over his heart? We are because Christ is. So we're going to move on to Revelation 19 and 10. When we go back here, we see where Moses His ministry was a testimony of the things which were to come, which is the revelation of Christ to come in Christ. And then we see 
I'm, I'm having te technical difficulties, but then we see in Revelations 19 and 10 where Jesus is um, the truth revealed in Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He is the embodiment, the essence of who God is. And I, I hope, I really pray that we understand that prophecy is a component of the prophetic. It is, it everything, even here, when, we, when the word is talking about prophecy, it really is talking about the prophetic because nothing that is done, whether it's a prophetic word, a prophetic act, if whatever it is, whatever we say, whatever we do, whatever we think, if it's in line with God and his intent and what he wants, it is indeed prophetic. And gee, that truth is revealed by the person of Jesus Christ. He is the essence. He is the essence of all prophecy. He is the essence of the prophetic. Now, um, as we go on, as we look at this, I'm not, I don't have time to go into the, all of this. But we see how John fell at the feet of this angel and he prostrated himself to worship. I really want you to see this here. But the angel restrained him and said, you must not do that. He let John know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just a servant like everybody else that holds the testimony born of Jesus, not a, but the testimony. Jesus is the embodiment of the testimony that we've all accepted and we hold. But what I want to point out here is when the angel said, worship God, that was an indication and a reinforcement of the very principle that we're talking about today. Worship God, elevate God. And we do that by elevating Christ over men. We take the back seat where we're supposed to be in terms of Christ. He is the one that is supposed to be out at the forefront. He is the one that is supposed to lead the charge as it pertains to life, as it pertains to the entire, um, the, the message of what the prophetic is. He is the prophetic. The Holy Spirit is the prophetic. God's presence is the prophetic. All of all of those 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 descriptors, all of those things, that is the prophetic. And so, what I want you to see here is how the Aunt Paul helped us remember: we are not the ones. We are not the 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 the, the one that is at the center of all this. The angel reiterates that we are not the ones at the center of all this. But let me point you to the one who does. And this right here is so important for us to understand that unless unless what we are doing and calling the prophetic is leading pointing, moving people in the direction of having an encounter with Christ, meeting him, understanding him, knowing who God is and what his intention is, it is not prophetic. It is not prophetic unless Jesus is in the midst of it, unless he is the reason for it, unless he is the result of it. He has to be at the beginning of the equation and the middle of the equation and at the end of the equation. He has to be thoroughly everything through and through, all together, all encompassing. If it does not speak to, point to, and insinuate really is, is, um, a uh, foot stomping that it is about him and not about us. It is not the prophetic. And that means the opposite is true. 
if it is pointing people to Christ, if it is pointing people back to God's internal intention, who Jesus is the embodiment of, if it is pointing people back to God's heart, that is the prophetic. So many people have reduced, have reduced the prophetic to a prophetic word. So many people have 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 um just I mean just totally destroyed the true heart of what the prophetic is by making man center stage, by making man the reason, making man the the essence, and that is so off kilter. We gotta realize that it is about. God and and Jesus being the essence of it all and his precious Holy Spirit that brings us into this understanding of what the prophetic really is. It must lead back to Christ. It has to lead back to Christ to be prophetic. If we are anywhere, listen to me closely, if we are anywhere in the midst of what is going on, if God has told us to do something, if we are anywhere in it outside of just simply being obedient without any uh, any connection in terms of wanting to, to, to take credit for, if we are connected in any way to God's eternal intent for what he's asked us to do, we are not operating in the prophetic. Even listen, and 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 an apostle Teresa will correct me if I'm if I'm off because you know I don't know everything, but I would venture to say that even if it's accurate, even if the word is accurate, even if um even if what you do is right in terms of the outward, you know the 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 natural piece of it. If your heart is not right, if your heart is like the ones that came back and said, oh, Lord, they subject to me. Oh, Lord, because of me, because of that, because of what I did, this is why this happened. It is not prophetic. The prophetic flows out of the heart of God. Its heart is God. It is, its thoughts are God. All of it is God. So we got to really check ourselves because I've been there. I mean, we got to be honest, people of God. We have got to be honest. I know for a fact, I will be transparent with you. There have been times where I'd be like, oh, scared to even give a prophetic word, okay? And again, this is not just about prophecy. So I want to, I want to be clear on that, but I'm just using this as an example. And because it was it, it was it was com- confirming to the person or because something happened as a result of it I, I i start swelling up on the inside like okay i i see me i see me i see i see me being obedient to god and 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 taking credit not outwardly but inwardly that in those secret chambers of the heart where we think it's we we elevate ourselves above the lord and not even saying it out loud but internally we have done this we need to address that and while god in his in his infinite wisdom and his unconditional love still loved me in the midst of my being crazy still loved the people that he told me to speak to and still did what he needed to do in the midst of what they needed because he didn't want them to be railroaded because of my crazy. It, it still it still wasn't prophetic in the sense that my heart wasn't right in it. And I was I was defining 
And I was identifying the prophetic based on what I had done. Can we, can, does this make sense? Does this make sense? Um, but that's what we really, we really got to get a grip on what we have, what we have made the prophetic and really understand what it really is. Now, just some points to ponder before we round this out. I know the time is getting late. Um, Christ is the fullness of God and we are full, complete in Christ. I wanted to put this here and the scripture is there. Um, we don't necessarily need to read it, but we are because he is. And I keep re reiterating this because until we understand where our place is, we will not fully understand what the prophetic is for real. We are not Christ and we are not to elevate ourselves above him. We are because he is. That is the only place we truly need to stay in a place of rejoicing about. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 3, 3 through 6, it talks about us being the manifest epistle of Christ and that our sufficiency is in him. Reiterating the same sentiment here. We gotta see this. We gotta see this. If something is being reiterated, it's because it's important first and foremost, and because we need to grasp it and make it our own. We need to really get this in our hearts. I, I really wanna read that one. Let's see here. Second Corinthians 3, 3 through 6. You show and make obvious that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, such as the re, uh, reliance and confidence that we have through Christ towards and with reference to God. Not that we are fit. Listen to the word. I mean, if we read and study the word, we will see, we will see what this principle is. Not that we are fit or qualified and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. My God, do you hear the word of God? Not that we are fit, qualified, and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us but our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. That's prophetic, where we know we ain't got nothing to do with it. It is all about God's eternal intention. It goes on to say, he qualifies us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of a new covenant. My God, listen to the word. He qualifies us as ministers to dispense the new covenant of salvation through Christ, not ministers of the letter. Do you know what that means? Not ministers of men, not ministers of men and ministers of the law, meaning the law, it perpetuated man. It perpetuated our abilities. It elevated us over Christ. The Bible says that he didn't, he didn't equip us and qualify us to be ministers of the letter of legally written code, but of the spirit, Holy Spirit. 
How much did Apostle Teresa drive home how important uh, Holy Spirit is and what his what what his essence is and what he does? How how with the Word of God so clear do we keep tripping up over this same thing? We are not ministers of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the cold, the law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes alive. Now, if the dispensation of death engraved in letters on stone was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance, that was to fade and pass away. Why should not the dispensation of the Spirit be attended with much greater and more splendid glory? How do we keep elevating man over Christ? And it keeps on going. It says, indeed, in view of this fact that once had something that once had splendor has come to have no splendor at all because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it, the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. For if that which was but passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor? Do you hear the word of God. We are not Jesus. We are not Holy Spirit. And y'all know I say Jesus and Holy Spirit Jr. We're none of we're none of that. We are God's children who have been chosen to express Christ, reveal Christ in the earth. So we gotta make sure that we continue to elevate Christ over man and not man over Christ. And these are just a couple of things that I put here. The prophetic is an account, along with everything we've learned thus far, the prophetic is an encounter with Christ for the purpose of maturity in a transformed life. And, and that that is only to say that the prophetic is, um, it, it, the prophetic helps us, points us to Christ so that we can reveal him. It points us to Christ to know him, learn him, be in relationship with him so that we can reveal him. It is not about some superpower. It is not about uh, name and, and fame and, 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 and honor and all of that for us. It is about all of that for him because he is the one who, uh, because he is, we are. It's not about us. So the last thing is, if Christ is not the focal point and the emphasis and the reason or the objective, then what, uh, I'm sorry, if he is not the focal point, the emphasis or the reason or the objective, then what we say, what we do, or what we experience is not the prophetic. People of God, we have got to elevate Christ above men. And when we do that, when we really get this understanding and we really grasp it and make it a possession, make it ours, become one with it, we will really see the fullness of the prophetic uh, taking place in our lives. One of the things that's just coming to me um, before I wrap up, uh, when Minister Sam Samantha taught on Tuesday, she took us to Job chapter 26, verse 14. 
And it talks about how, I mean, profound verse. I mean, my goodness, if you sit with that for a minute, it'll blow your mind. But it talks about how all of the things that we've seen God do, they are wonderful, they're great, they're marvelous, but they are just the surface of what God wants to do. They're just the, they're the outer fringes. They're, I think that's the word, the verbiage she used. They're the outer fringes. They're the, they're, they're just glimpses, but he wants to do much, much, much more. And, 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 and I don't know about y'all on this line, but what I feel and sense in my spirit is that the more we truly understand what his eternal intention is, and we align with it, we agree with it, and we actually walk in it, we will begin to see more and more demonstration of the great God we serve. We will begin to see more and more problems solved. We will begin to see more and more things come into resolution. We will begin to see more and more of God's character and his heart and what he has established from the foundations of the world. If we, if we could just elevate Christ over ourselves, if we could just get out of the way, we will see a greater, we will have a greater understanding and we will see God in a more, uh, a, a greater, a greater way. So that is all I have. You guys know I love, love, love call to action because if we don't implement what we have, if we continue to be uh, information and revelation hoarders, knowledge hoarders, and never do anything with it, what's the point? So these call to actions, which we get throughout all of our teachings, but I like to just specifically give one so that we can really not walk away from what we're learning um, and let it fade away, but that we truly stay in the midst of it um, until it becomes part of us. So when uh, I, this call to action is, is um, about us reflecting and thinking. So when and where have you elevated men above Christ? So I want you to think about this. Think about what you've learned, not just today, but last Tuesday, last Sunday, what we've been learning over the course of time. And with this new understanding, I want you to reflect back and I want you to do um, these two things in terms of identify. Identify instances you consider prophetic, but really weren't from your new understanding now. Also identify instances where you desired worship. Remember that first slide. You desire worship, glory, and praise in instances where you worshiped and gave glory and praise to others. It's all still man being elevated over Christ. Identify instances of that. Then once you get those two pieces identified, I want you to dissect those moments. Ask Holy Spirit to help you determine what was at the heart of it, what was at the core of it. And I know some of the things we can let it, we can let it fly right now. Unbelief, fear, um, you know, uh, identity crisis. You didn't understand who you was in, in, in Christ. And so, you know, you're just all over the place. It could be a, a, a whole list of things, but identify these things, dissect them and ask Holy Spirit to help you determine why. And after Holy Spirit illuminates that to you, commit yourself to addressing what he showed you and then living the prophetic for real. Please, please don't just look at this call to action and, you know, just let it be on the screen. I'm gonna leave it here for a second um, so that if you want to, 
you can write it down, but this is, this is not a game people. God has placed us in the earth and he wants his intent to be fulfilled, dis displayed, demonstrated. He wants us to reveal Christ and all of that. It's all encompassing. It's the prophetic. So um, I am done. And any questions? I think we can stop the recording. My computer is.